I believe strongly that by including step one organs into your diet can be hugely beneficial because organs are nature's ultimate multivitamin. You hear that time and time again, but if you compare gram per gram for organs to any other food on the planet that we know of, right? Organs win by a long shot every single yeah. time. Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Radical Health Radio. We have a very interesting conversation for you today. My guest was Dylan Randolph, who is the head researcher over at Heart and Soil. And we talked about the topic of fertility and infertility. This is a very interesting, slightly scary, but also empowering story because we realize that a lot more is in our hands than we are often given credit for. But we have to face facts. And the facts are that we are in an infertility crisis. It's one in five women of reproductive age right now that cannot get pregnant. We know that men's testosterone levels are declining at a rapid rate, that the health and motility of their sperm counts are following that trend aggressively. Again, it sounds scary, and maybe it is, but we're here to bring solutions to the table too. We're here to talk about how we can recapture our own health and the vitality is achievable for all of us when we know how to build a real animal-based diet to thrive on, but also a holistic lifestyle practice built on the backbone of solid habits and routines and keeping stress in check. Because if we are balanced and we are healthy and we are thriving, then this reproductive birthright is ours for the taking. But when our bodies are not healthy, and we're stuck in scarcity, and we're inflamed, and we're stressed, and we don't have that adequate level of nutrition and micronutrients, that the body kind of shuts down and constricts. It signals that it's not the time to be reproducing right now, and how much of that is going on collectively. How much other factors outside of just food are at play here, from micro microplastics to toxins to this stress, and to everything else that's going on in the world that keeps us locked in this scarcity mindset. We introduced the Heart and Soil film, Nourished, which is a beautifully put together documentary about this topic. And then we get into our live caller segment of the show where we speak to a professional wrestler. We talk about sleep issues and we talk about doing animal based on a budget. This show is packed full of hope. It's packed full of some harrowing facts but it's always threaded with this empowerment that health is our birthright and it's ours for the taking. I hope you enjoy it. Let's go. Hello friends, welcome to the show. We've got a very exciting guest today. This is Dylan Randolph. He is the chief researcher at Heart and Soil and a man of many talents. So I'm gonna let him introduce himself and we'll get into a very fun conversation today. Dylan, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? So good, so good. It's great to be here. Yeah, so I'm the chief research officer at Heart and Soil. I'm also a licensed physician assistant. I've been working with Dr. Paul for almost four, five years now. And it's, it's been a wild ride, super fun. It was challenging for me to step away from conventional medicine, something that I thought I was going to be in for the rest of my life and choose an unexplored path of nutrition and investigating and research. But it's 
been probably the best decision of my life. Yeah, I love it, man. And there's a uh, there's some some wisdom in that. I think we we uh, appreciate our people that go off the uh, the the kind of trajectory and they verge off the path and find a lot more meaning in it. And I think that's just it speaks to who you are and it speaks to the level of you know passion that you have for this. And this is a really passionate topic of yours. You've been digging into this a lot recently with the team. And our conversation today is all centered around infertility, fertility for both men and women, and this just huge topic. So. Where do we even begin with a topic this broad? Like, what have you been diving into? What's super interesting here? And how do we talk about this topic and, and give our listeners some really juicy and actionable information? Yeah, I think starting with just the conventional recommendations on diet is a really good place to start because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, prevention is key. Everybody wants to prevent disease we don't want to get to the treatment phase yeah so if we can focus on prevention and sh and ensuring that we're getting an adequate amount of nutrition sunlight all of the lifestyle behaviors that follow with good optimal health libido and energy that is going to be the best approach that any of us can take so looking at number one the problem right one in five women today between the ages of 15 and 49 are unable to get pregnant. It's, it's, a, wow. it's a huge number, right? It's a big number, yeah. And it's not all women. Men can contribute to this right, problem too. Right. They can have decreased sperm function, quality, et cetera. But what are people being told, Yeah. right? And if you just look at some of the common recommendations here, eatright.org, Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, the fertility diet, pattern literally tells us to eat less animal protein, more vegetable proteins, more high fiber, low glycemic carbohydrate, rich foods, including whole grains, right? Mm. More vegetarian sources of iron and fewer meat sources. And this I believe is a problem. Yeah. So knowing what we know and kind of being more in this world of animal-based nutrition, because we know it's so nutrient dense and the removal of processed foods, one of which we know is very problematic, you know, this emphasis on grains, gluten containing grains and how that can disrupt the gut microbiome, which has all kinds of upstream and downstream problems. This seems kind of counter to what we would recommend as a solid dietary foundation to create health, which obviously would impact fertility. So what's going on with these recommendations? Why are they so askewed? And do you think that, you know, this kind of information is actually causing more harm than it's helping people get fertile and get healthy? Yeah, because it's missing the quality piece and the bioavailability piece. Right. A lot of this protein from plants and the micronutrients from plants are significantly less bioavailable. Right. Animal sourced nutrients, animal sourced proteins are going to be much more bioavailable and usable by the body and will ensure that we're not only absorbing these nutrients, but using these nutrients to have better mitochondrial function, to ultimately have better hormone profiles, a better life, uh, everything comes along with that. Yeah, so is it safe to say, if that is the case and people are prioritizing kind of the building blocks of their diet on things that aren't as nutrient dense, aren't as bioavailable, that were causing a a body just not to be its healthiest state. And I think it's probably fair to say that a body that is not abundantly healthy is going to have a harder time getting pregnant. And And even from the male perspective, a body that's not nutritionally kind of fueled adequately with those building blocks with those hormones is not going to produ be producing healthy sperm so it goes both ways 
if if that is the case then what is the solution what's at the root cause of this we're not eating these foods that are fueling us we're not eating these foods that build a body adequately so what do we do and what are we missing out on when we don't prioritize animal-based foods well this is uh a little bit saddening and um a little bit misleading when it comes down to multivitamins. So mm. if you look at uh, Oregon State University, they did a really great view on micronutrient inadequacies and multivitamin supplements. And despite taking multivitamin supplements, the NHANES data, US national surveys indicate that, indicate that micronutrient inadequacies, even with multivitamin su uh, supplements are a huge problem. and this is underrepresented, I mm. believe, in the nutrition field, science, research. I think so much of the focus has been on technology, genetics, how to beat our environment almost, like yeah. how to be better than nature, and less on how do we utilize nature to be healthy, to be optimal, to be fertile, Yeah. right? So these are, you can't just throw multivitamins without taking into consideration the bioavailability, but also something that we're still learning about, the ratios, right? The yeah. forms that they come into. There are vitamins. There are different forms of each of the vitamins that come in nature that we probably don't know the full extent to it, right? Mm -hmm. And how that interacts with the body at a fundamental level is crucial. Yeah. So that research is very interesting because it's focused on multivitamins, right? Which many people are leaning on to try to get healthier. They believe that they're getting healthier by doing this. But this obviously then branches into prenatal vitamins, right? This is a very same kind of, um, the, the, the same constituents are in there. And you're saying that these aren't necessarily helping clear up these nutritional inadequacies. Um, a lot of the time we know, we you know espouse more of a nature's multivitamin approach that's focused on eating nose to tail and including organs because we do know there was a bioavailable, right? Like these synthetic vitamins are formed basically in a lab that man made and they basically get excreted a lot of the time, right? So how much of this, you know, multivitamin story is tied to the prenatal story? Because this is something that's pushed on women who are trying to get pregnant and even during pregnancy. And is that potentially not, you know, clearing up these nutritional inadequacies as well? And if that is the case, that has to have some downstream effects on fetal development and also the chances of getting pregnant, right? A hundred percent. And I think this is like another problem of like the for the fertility story, right? It's yeah. like you are told as a woman to take prenatals, you're told to make sure that you're getting these specific micronutrients that helps with fetal development, but also fertility, but the focus isn't on quality. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunately widely underrepresented, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's like we need to have a focus on high quality, nutrient dense foods that will provide the specific micronutrients and micronutrient profiles that will adequately replace, restore, rebuild, grow a baby. And focusing on these foods will also, in the long term, create a better picture of health, energy, libido, all the things that everybody wants, physical yeah. composition. like building muscle, everything comes along with this. And at the end of the day, when we look at the micronutrient inadequacies in our society, in the United States today, there are so many that aren't even coming close to being optimal. And yeah. one last thought on this is people who are sick 
people who are stressed psychologically, physically from the environment, they're going to deplete these micronutrient stores even quicker Yeah, and they need to pay more attention. But how do you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, to piggyback on that point, you, you, you raise a very valid point about this being stressed and being sick. And as it kind of ties into this fertility story on both sides, men and women, is it fair to assume that a body that is under that stress and is deficient in these micronutrients is also signaling scarcity? It's signaling that there is not abundance and without that abundance, that that's maybe not the right time to think about growing a baby. And we see all kinds of stuff happening again on both sides, right? You said the one in five women statistic, but we also know that sperm counts and sperm motility in men is tanking and it's, and it's getting significantly lower with these other adaptive hormones, we see trends in lowering testosterone in men, raising infertility. Now we're leaning on more conventional treatments and IVF and fertility practices, which on one hand are beautiful because that allows people to, you know, get um, pregnant when maybe they couldn't before, but there is a cost to all of this too, right? And I think really addressing this nutritional inadequacy piece is something that, you, you know, you seem very focused on and it seems very important in the story. So where do we start if these micro, if these multivitamins and prenatals aren't doing it? What's a good solution? We've talked about this animal-based diet, but this entourage effect of eating nose to tail, is it safe to assume that what could really be a powerful prenatal vitamin could actually be an animal-based diet plus organs? 100%. And before going into that further, even if you are seeking medical treatment, it doesn't change the fact that you need these micronutrients at a very fundamental level. And sometimes medication can even deplete these micronutrients. Right. So you have to always focus on this, whether you're taking medications, whether you're doing in vitro fertilizations, using these assisted reproductive technologies doesn't change the fact that you need to be, you need to be, you need to have essential nutrients in the diet that are going to fuel your reproductive and sexual health. Yeah organs liver heart kidney these specific organs are going especially liver are going to be containing all of the fat soluble nutrients the b vitamins there's going to be minerals zinc copper selenium so many nutrients that are going to improve your reproductive health your fertility success so i believe strongly that by including step one organs into your diet can be hugely beneficial because organs are nature's ultimate multivitamin. We hear that time and time again, but if you compare gram per gram for organs to any other food on the planet that we know of, right? Organs win by a long shot every single yeah. time. It's pretty cool, right? There's, they're, they're really a nutrient dense powerhouse and, and we're obviously trying to spread that message. But I'm also focused on, you know, this is the addition story of adding those in, which is incredibly powerful. What's the elimination story now? If you think of this fertility picture and you think about our just modern food systems, full of processed food, full of seed oils, Obviously, we're talking about health. We obviously know that these foods are a detriment to health. What do you think the story is here? How are these processed foods, how are these seed oils, these gluten-containing grains, artificial sweeteners, high fructose corn syrup, these things that people are eating in abundance, how are these potentially coming full circle into this fertility conversation? Yeah, I think the most simple answer on that is processed, ultra-processed foods equals inflammation. Inflammation mm. is oxidative stress oxidative stress left unchecked is going to create oxidative damage and lead to chronic health yeah. issues. Yeah. And 
if we are not intentionally being, uh, if we are not intentionally consuming the right foods, taking into consideration the micronutrient content, the ratio, the forms from animal food sources, and thinking that we are like this uh, eatright.org recommendations that all of our nutrients are going to be coming from more vegetable protein, right? More, fewer meat sources of heat, of iron. Like iron is not as bioavailable in yes. plants as they are in red meat, in organs. And that's, it's a fact. Yeah. And you, you have to take into consideration all of the plant defense chemicals that can contribute to chelation, right? that are not going to allow those minerals to be absorbed, potentially depleting mineral stores in the body, potentially contributing to this inflammation at the end of the day. Yeah. So getting rid of seed oils, processed foods, and potentially some of these more inflammatory vegetables in the diet can be super powerful to ensure that you are absorbing all of the micronutrients possible to have a optimized reproductive and sexual health. Yeah, wonderful. So what are we left with? We obviously keep saying this animal-based pyramid. We're removing this stuff. We're focusing on getting these nutrients in the most bioavailable form. What's a well-rounded diet at a high-level perspective that everybody can eat because it's evolutionarily and ancestrally appropriate that's going to start creating health and vitality to produce healthy testes, healthy sperm, healthy ovaries, healthy everything involved that's in the reproductive system and fertility. What's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. Start with organs, as always the most nutrient rich foods on the planet be intentional about eating enough and that means enough high quality nutrient dense foods which is going to contain which is going to include raw dairy maybe some fermented kefir right things that are helpful for the gut there uh obviously grass-fed grass-finished proteins from ruminant animals are going to be hugely impactful in terms of just like the protein and the protein, the amino acids and the other micronutrients, the vitamins, the minerals that are going to help your body produce and have a healthy hormone profile, eliminating the most toxic foods, seed oils, processed grains, gluten containing foods, processed, highly processed sugar. That's going to be the high fructose corn syrups, uh, swapping out any of those polyunsaturated fats for things like tallow, ghee, grass-fed butter, real animal food sources of fats are going to provide you with the fat-soluble nutrient profile, vitamins A, D, E, K, K2, that are essential for reproductive health, bone health, immune system. All of these things are so important. And so focusing on that protein, carbohydrates from maple syrup, honey, fruit, and then fat, from animal sources is going to be hugely beneficial to not just your hormone health, which is mm -hmm. ultimately what we're after is like for, for, for all the other, uh, the energy, the, the libido, the, you know, not getting tired throughout the day, yeah. sleeping well, like all these things are super important, important at a very fundamental level. Yeah. You know, I think the point that you make in here, which is, you know, we're obviously talking about fertility and infertility on this podcast, but ultimately that's a natural extension of just being healthy. And the information that you just laid out is a way to just be healthy anyway. Even if you're listening to this podcast and you're not maybe in that long-term relationship right now, and this isn't currently your phase of life right now, but one day you wanna be a dad, one day you wanna be a mom, and how are you gonna start kind of like 
building an insurance plan against that, uh, sorry, for that, so that when that time arrives, you're, you're fertile and you're healthy and you can do it. So I think I, I want to just shift gears very slightly because we've talked a lot about nutrition and, you know, what to remove and what to add in, mm -hmm. which is obviously very important, but we have a life outside of just what we're putting in our mouths, right? We have, you know, stress and we have potentially environmental factors that are playing into this and jobs and lives outside of it. So I'm curious, you know, you've been digging into this research, you've been thinking about this from a high level perspective, aside from the food, what are potentially some other things that are contributing to fertility issues in our environment? Yeah. So the other factor, right? The environmental toxins, the plastics, the pesticides, and when I think about these stresses in our environment, they, and what they do to the body, it's once again, this like oxidative stress, this inflammation that it has on the body and how it depletes a lot of these micronutrients. So being intentional about what you're putting your food in, what you're cooking mm. your food in, making sure you're not using nonstick pans, right? Making sure that you're using glass instead of plastic wherever possible. And I, I have this idea. It's like, really, if you're, if you're struggling, like yeah, try everything, right? Try, mm -hmm. try, try everything and give it a very good effort. And once you have the diet, you know, dialed in, you're not doing the processed foods. Why would you not want to look into, well, what are plastics doing to me? Mm. What about my drinking water? Are there microplastics in my drinking water? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, like, get, like go the extra, invest in yourself. Yeah. Right. We but talk about this a lot, you know, in our, in our steps to radical health and we start where we start the conversation, like, let's get in those organs. Let's like really fuel your cells with just this nutrient dense powerhouse. Let's remove the processed foods. And then we talk about these other things like building these healthy habits. So we've got a rock solid foundation and then we dial it in. Right. And then we go looking for all those things that you just said. And maybe that's the last little hurdle that we need to get over to really unlock this fertility piece. And maybe we do need to be very cautious about these fragrances and these toxins and these microplastics and you know a little bit can go a long way it's it's probably amazing that if you've never even thought that oh wait a minute i drink plastic water bottles every day and i have like yeah. three of those things that removing that is just i mean we know it's not harmful we know it's only going to help we know it's going to remove some of these harmful chemicals from your system it's only going to help but i think you know building from that rock solid foundation is massive and like you said there's a lot here so we keep coming back to this idea of stress right oxidative stress mm. but also like stress psychologically, how that informs physiological stress. And Huge. I think we can, we can get pretty freaked out about all of this too, when we really start to dig, right? We're like, oh my God, everything's out to kill us. So it's also remaining grounded in yourself too. And like really remembering if we're talking about these nutritional pieces to signal abundance and to remind the body that it's safe to reproduce, that we also kind of want to build that into our practices too, right? We might want to have a mindful practice. We might want to get out and make sure we're moving and exercising and get in sunshine. So it really goes a lot more holistic than the nutrition sometimes. But I think that piece that you're focusing on is kind of the, the entry way, right? It's so important to get right, but this is a very complex piece and we kind of have to look at the whole system and try and keep that stress as low as possible, oxidative stress from nutrition and also lifestyle stress because it's pretty hard being a human. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I told anybody this besides my PA friends, uh, but I did my master's thesis on mindfulness, meditation mm. and the reduction of anxiety and how powerful it is and the research 
on mindfulness and that doesn't have to be you know lock yourself in a room like put on you know the you know that the extreme sense of it where you know people are meditating for a full hour it yeah. literally could be two to five minutes has a substantial effect on your physiology your yeah. biology yeah. and how it can reduce stress and at the end of the day psychological stress is a stress yes stress is a stress is a stress i think you've said yes. that before yeah. and whether it's coming from the brain or your environment these are things that we have control over yeah. right and at the end of the day like we need to be able to provide solutions to people for things they have control over yeah. and the mental side of it the breath work getting in a cold plunge like a forced meditation yeah. mm. uh maybe a, maybe a sauna just just being intentional about breathing while you're walking yeah do nasal breathing maybe you do some mouth tape at night and yeah. just you know what i mean these little things build up over time and can make a huge impact on your overall health wonderful so i think what we're talking about here is like we're, we're trying to have these conversations to bring awareness to a topic that's probably not getting the level of awareness that we think it deserves and we hope that this information is empowering but one of the tools that you're using here at Heart and Soil to bring awareness is kind of these documentary films that you're creating. So before we move into our uh, questions live, we've got some callers on the line that are yeah. gonna join us in a few minutes. Tell us really quickly about what Heart and Soil is doing with this movie and what is the story you're trying to tell here? Yeah, I mean, essentially it's, it's what we talked about today. It's the foods that have been missing from our diets and the impact that those foods can have on our overall health. This documentary was produced by a, fat, a fantastic team at, at Heart and Soil. It is super well done. I believe it will be out by the time this podcast comes out. Yeah, we'll so link it in the show notes. It's going to be there. If yep. we can, we can link it in the show notes. But this tells the story of animal-based fertility and mm. how uh, individuals who are either struggling with their hormones, their their fertility can use an animal-based diet to improve their chances of getting pregnant, becoming pregnant, and ultimately feeling good for the long term. This isn't a quick fix. Mm. Nothing we do is ever going to be a quick fix. We have to be intentional. We have to be disciplined and consistent in order to really see the results that we desire. I love it. Thank you for your work and thank you for the team at Heart and Soil for putting that together. It's yeah. really powerful stuff. So we're about to move into taking some live calls. So we've got some callers on the line. They're gonna jump on. We're gonna riffraff on some questions with Sweet. them and let's see what we can get them. Sound good? Yeah, love it. All right, first caller on the line today is Stacy from my home state, Tennessee. What's up, Stacy? How are you doing? What's the story? What can we help you with? Hi, um, thanks for having me. Hey, Stacy. Um, my question is sleep. I'm 52 years old. Um, in perimenopause mm -hmm. and since the fall I have not been getting quality sleep I fall asleep no problem sleep for about two hours and then it's like cat naps for the rest of the night mm. I started taking I started taking your supplements and I've taken quite a few and I was hoping that that would do something and it's just nothing nothing has helped all right, Stacy. So we're going to kind of go um, dig into this a little bit to see if we can get you some solutions. Okay. So when you say you mm -hmm. kind of fall to sleep, I'm assuming you fall to sleep pretty easily and you're waking up at, you know, you said about uh, after a couple of hours, is there, is there a reoccurring theme there? Are you waking up to go to the bathroom or are you just waking up because the mind wakes you up for some reason? Just tell me a little bit more of the story. Nope. 
Um, I'm waking up. Usually I wake up because I'm hot. I guess I'm getting like hot flashes uh-huh. at night while I'm sleeping. Um, I have the window open, you know, I, the, co- the covers are off and then I get cold and it, I just mm-hmm. toss and turn. Like I just, and there's nothing, I don't have things racing through my mind that mm-hmm. are on my mind. I just cannot fall back asleep. And if I do fall back asleep, it's like for 10 minutes. Then mm-hmm. I'm up for like another hour. Then I fall asleep for another 10 minutes. Yeah, so um, this this I know already is very frustrating because there is nothing quite as um, as frustrating as wanting to go to sleep and being unable to find that peace and that rest. So I'm curious, you said, you know, you've got a, a cold room and you're keeping it cold. There are some things that you can really look at, especially with the hot flashes that, you know, they're a little bit of an investment, but it probably go a very long way. You can look at things like the Uller and the chili pad and mm-hmm. these cooled mattresses that really kind of regulate to your body temperature. I can imagine, you know, that mm-hmm. going through these hot flashes, sometimes the, the, the window unit AC that you have or the HVAC system that you have in your house might not be able to cool you efficiently down. Down, and it's the heat that is signaling you to wake up. We we do mm-hmm. know that something that you need, your body needs to ease into a restful, deep state of sleep is it needs to lower its core temperature. Now, if your body is raising its core temperature, it's very antagonistic to restful sleep. So something here, it, it, we, we need to try and do something here about temperature manipulation and control and um, to try and really drive that down. So whether it's, you know, bumping the AC even lower in your room, you know, taking it down, you'd be surprised at how cold we can get our rooms and have optimal sleep states. We can go as low as uh, as 62 and really sleep, kind of mimicking that ancestral idea of, of a cave, right? Really dark, really cold. And, um, you know, to, to try and help that. But I, I also have some, you know, follow-up ideas here around potential, you know, lifestyle behaviors, light at night, those kinds of things. But I wanna also, you know, ping pong this over oh, to Dylan so he can add in anything that he's, he's seeing here or any threads that he wants to pull on. Yeah, I just, I had a question. Um, when do you usually have your last meal? Um, usually around between, usually between like five and six. And then when do you go to bed? And then I usually go to bed between nine and 10. Okay. So you are definitely getting sufficient amount of time because that is one thing always to take into consideration. And it's something that you might even experiment with is maybe, uh, I don't know the volume of your food you're eating, but maybe you have more volume in terms of protein, fat, carbohydrates from, solid sources and uh, decrease that last, the volume of that last meal and just ensuring that you're giving your body adequate uh, time to digest the foods properly to allow your body to get in a more restful, deep sleep state. Okay. I wanna, I'm, I'm also curious real quick, Stacy. you know, cause perimenopause, your body's obviously going through a lot of change, right? A lot of stuff is shifting internally um, and that can be a stressor in and of itself. So I want to kind of zoom out as well. We're obviously focusing on on sleep as the big kind of elephant in the room here, but I want to kind of reverse engineer and look at the whole day. When you're going through a change like this, it's very, very important to adequately hydrate, adequately, um, you know, get your nutrition really dialed in. You said you added in supplements. I'm just curious, is there a potential here for some under eating because you're not feeling so good? Are we under a lot of stress anyway in life right now? Like what's going on outside of the sleep picture that might be something that we could look at here to really just kind of buffer you against this so we can make sure you're adequately fueled, feeling really good in your body, which is only going to help sleep as we go through this like pretty difficult phase. Is there anything that kind of resonates there? Um, I really am not undergoing any stress right now. Um, I have been inputting all of my meals into a chronometer. Um, so I'm hitting all of my macro goals. Mm. Um, I'm usually eating just two meals a day and maybe like a smoothie. 
you know, in between. Um, but no, I, I get outside for anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half to take, you know, to go for a walk in the sun. Like I'm, you know, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, and I'm working out with weights just about every day. Um, I, I, I don't watch TV really. So I'm not doing, I'm not just laying around. Like I am yeah. forcing myself, but I do know like after I do my little weight regiment and I go, go for a walk when I come back, I usually have to take a nap because I'm just, I'm just completely exhausted. I'm, I'm curious how many carbohydrates are you including into your diet right now? I want to say it's between 120 and 150. Okay. So that, that, yeah, that's a pretty solid amount of carbohydrates in the diet too. That's another thing that we commonly see. And it's also at least important to consider, you know, the amount of activity level, like, are yeah. you under consuming the carbohydrate piece of this? And we do know like in low carbs, I mean, you can be in a quote unquote low carb state it, consuming 100 to 160 grams of carbohydrates if you are being super intentional about your activity you're walking your resistance training you're doing everything right maybe you are under consuming uh carbohydrates proteins and fat the whole macro nutrient uh, conversation comes back into play and just making sure that you're adequately adequately fueling your body so what calories are you at right now overall I want to say the calories are probably around 2200 2200 It's 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 a it's a solid place. I I actually kind of want to address um something that you said Stacy that I think might be helpful right now which actually might be dialing it back. Mm. You know, you said it sounds mm -hmm. like you're really dialed in at this point. You said yeah. you're lifting every day. That's a lot, you know. Stress is stress is stress I'm not again. every day. I want I'm going to say about four times four times a week probably. Okay. You, you might just want to, because it, it, it really depends, um, you know, on, on the level of intensity there and the amount of ample time to recover, et cetera. But sometimes when you're going through a big shift like this, maybe it's a smart move to take the foot off the accelerator a little bit more and think about that parasympathetic branch of the nervous system, right? Like a lot of those things are quite sympathetic, the go, 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 do, do, do. And it sounds like you've got some really good practices in there, you know, the walk in the sun and getting outside, which is wonderful. But I'm just curious as we kind of dig here and kind of come up against these, these roadblocks, whether a little more nurturing and a little more stillness and a little more of that parasympathetic activity is what your body's really calling for right now. Because I do know, and I could pretty much, you know, assert this with, with a, a good amount of confidence that if you're not sleeping well because of this issue that's coming yeah. through, you are not recovering well, it's stressful, it's depleting kind of adequate energy and resources from your body. So maybe as we go through this transition, which the good news is it's not a life sentence, right? It's a little kind of thing that we have to go through and it's going to pass at some point. Then maybe what we need right now is a little more stillness, a little more nurturing, a little more kind of, Recovery. you know, dial back a little bit, maybe two lifts a week and an extra walk in its place and a mindfulness practice in the morning and pull out that journal or whatever really resonates with you. But it's something that I think I would, you know, experiment with and lean into as you're going through this, because that lack of sleep becomes a huge stressor in and of itself. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah, it's actually an interesting note because I am really bad at dialing it back. And there was a point there where uh, I have an aura ring and I noticed that my heart rate variability was declining and my heart rate was increasing. Mm -hmm. And at that point I was like, I need to stop. So I literally took a full week off. I didn't lift at all just to allow my body to regenerate and to really focus on healing and recovery. And 
I think this is one of the most powerful things that individuals can do is just dialing back a little bit and understanding that the dialing back can actually improve all the, uh, you know, strength, the performance goals that, that you're really after. Another thing, uh, I would like to follow up with you after this, and we can set you up with one of our health guides at heart and soil to give you a little bit of extra, you know, support, some, some other insights so that we can make sure that, you know, we're taking care of you the best that we can. Love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling in Stacy and a surprising one. Get yourself an Epsom salt bath. Have a soak. Try uh, that, you yeah. usually sleep like a bloody king after having a magnesium salt bath. So give it a whirl and see how that feels. But we appreciate you calling in and follow up with the team. The team will be following up with you rather to give you some extra support and get you what you need. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Osiris, who's calling in from Rhode Island. What a cool name. What can we help you with, Osiris? Thank you. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> how's it going? It's going well, man. How are you? Doing great. And, um, I wanted to uh, talk to you guys about, so, well, the name Osiris, I'm a professional wrestler and, uh, that's where the name comes from. Yeah. And, uh, I started, <laughs> yeah, I started an animal based diet. Um, last year I found carnivore MD, um, on YouTube and, uh, just kind of started following some of the things he was talking about. Um, I had found years ago that my body functions really well off of meat, fruit, and sweet potatoes without the skin. Nice. Um, I found that out through working with a nutritionist. Um, so hearing the things Carnivore MD was saying, they resonated really, you know, with me. Um, I, uh, I have a, a supplement company sponsorship, believe it or not, and I actually take some heart and soil supplements as well. Love it. Um, I, yeah, uh, I had stopped taking turmeric uh, due to advice from Carnivore MD, and I had noticed in the past when I had stopped taking turmeric, my joints would hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, completely eliminating breads and pastas and things like that from my diet, um, I was able to take the turmeric. My joints don't hurt anymore. Uh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question is, in regards to supplementation, um, what do you guys recommend as far as for like a hard training athlete? Um, you know, to make sure they're getting all their nutrient bases covered. Should I be taking a multivitamin and some heart and soil supplements on top? Can I get everything I need from the heart and soil? Awesome question, Osiris. So first thing I just want to celebrate is we're Radical Health Radio and you're a professional wrestler and that's radical. That's radical. (laughs) It's very (laughs) intense, man. It's very intense on your body. I can only, uh, you know, imagine the, you know, the, the constant kind of putting yourself in that, the performance, the stress, and the physical toll that it takes on your body. So you definitely need to be thinking about this uh, realm of fueling yourself adequately, clearing up those nutrient deficiencies. Um, Dylan can really speak to a high level on the micronutrients and things that you could potentially add in. So I'll kind of take a little more of a zoomed out perspective before I hand it over to him and just say, we believe that you know organs are nature's multivitamin. So it's not necessarily that you're gonna be missing out by not pulling the generic vitamin off the shelf like a centrum or a men's this that and the other because we can kind of clear that with in a, in a very bioavailable form with organs but just celebrating this this you know inquisition that you've had around your diet and there's experiments of finding something that works for you and listening to paul's advice and questioning some of the mainstream narratives and just really on an animal-based diet with this amount of activity really prioritizing that protein and really not being afraid of getting a good intake of carbohydrates you know these these two together you know the fat kind of comes in um, as an entourage effect of prioritizing animal protein 
but the carbohydrates as well, you know, just to replenish that muscle glycogen after you're going out there and you're performing under these high intensity bouts. And I'm sure you've got training outside of that for, you know, your own kind of um, mobility and injury prevention and body composition goals. So just really making sure that in, in a stress state where you're putting your body through a lot that you getting the adequate nutrition from the macro perspective and really eating a lot of food. You're gonna to need to put a lot of energy back into this tank. And then on your question around micronutrients and organs and what could potentially be missing, I wanna hand it over to Dylan to see if he has anything to add there. Yeah, well, first off, I wanna just say uh, before heart and soil, uh, in between heart and soil and after uh, PA school, I was able to do a lot of uh, health coaching and lab work review. And a lot of these individuals were taking a lot of different supplements. And one of the first steps that I would always take with them while, you know, doing this with a trained professional is, is very important, but just dialing back and eventually getting off of a lot of these multivitamins, these, uh, the plant medicines that people are taking every single day is usually, and what I found a really good first step and then really focusing on organs, you know, multivitamins, organs are our multivitamins. And specifically, if, you know, we're not going to eat fresh foods, then we consider beef organs to kind of really hit that multivitamin figure um, when it comes down to heart and soil supplements. But for you in particular, who is really looking to kind of level up, it seems your performance, and this is something this is the stack that I take. Uh, Warrior is going to help substantially. It has CoQ10, B12, riboflavin, folate, these specific micronutrients that are going to help fuel energy. It's almost like a, a pre-workout. I, I really love Warrior. Whole package for the benefits that come from testicle, as you can imagine, it is where testosterone is created. It is essential. Hormones are essential also for muscle building and feeling good, right? So whole package and then mood, memory, and brain. Phosphatidylserine is one of the most well-studied compounds that is found in brain extract and mood, memory, and brain has that. So phosphatidylserine has been shown to improve the stress response and the uh, overall physical performance in many different randomized control trials. So those three are the supplements that I take. Um, and then if I was going to consider a multivitamin, then I would just throw in beef organs. And I mean, at that point, along with a well-constructed animal-based diet, you're going to be pretty much locked and loaded. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that high-level athletes need high-level fuel. And mm -hmm. with all those bases covered, I think that would be. So it's it's cool that you said you actually ended up with some heart and soil supplements as well. But we'll set you up with the health and success team to get you that optimal stack so you can really perform at an incredible level and keep doing what it is that you love to do, which is to wrestle and entertain. Yeah. So keep being radical, Osiris. Thank you very much for calling Appreciate in. Appreciate it. Uh, next up on the line, we have Garrett calling in from Michigan who has a question about fat. What is your question, Garrett? How can we help you? Hey, thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm um, calling from Michigan. I am a uh, 80s baby. Um, I grew up in, you know, the food pyramid where a low-fat diet mm -hmm. was, um, you know, considered considered healthy. Yeah. So um, coming out of that psychology, you know, I, I went to an animal-based diet in this past year, year and a half. Um, tremendously cut out vegetables, you know, spending a lot of time with organs, meats, honey, dairy, as, uh, you know, Paul Sel Saladino would 
break down. And um, you know, I've I've come in, I've come to this um, debate with my my fiance mm-hmm. about the consumption of fat. She's still kind of stuck in the mentality that too much fat is bad for your health. And you know, I'm trying to explain um, fat soluble vitamins, mm-hmm. and, you know, how you know our brain function and everything's mm-hmm. tied into it. So, so more or less, my question for you is, how much fat is too much fat? in your diet you know i've i've brought up you know inuit in alaska you know they mm-hmm. they eat a diet rich in whale blubber and they, you know they don't have the health problems that many people have so again you know how much fat is too much fat in I the love diet it. love it thank you very much garrett i'm going to let dylan go over the recommendations and some of the targets here but i'm going to add just a little kind of teaser into a couple of things you said which i think are really important number one well done for educating yourself and arming yourself with appropriate information. But understanding, you know, like convincing your fiance that this lifestyle is actually, you know, grounded in logic and ancestrally appropriate ideas is going to be easier just when you're a living example of it, right? We often say you can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink, but you can make that horse very thirsty and curious by being a living, breathing, walking, talking example of radical health. Now, too much fat is a tricky one, and we do have some parameters around it, but it's only tricky, I think, when you're eating the processed fats that Mm -hmm. dysregulate appetite. It's kind of hard to overdo natural fats when you're following the animal-based pyramid, which it sounds like you're doing an amazing job of, because they're very naturally satiating. It's hard to overdo real food when you eat in alignment with with the laws of nature. So I think, you know, it's more about focusing on what are the fats in your diet, and it sounds like you've done a really good job of getting rid of these highly inflammatory seed oils and replacing those with the fats that come in the you know the form of meat and fatty cuts of meat as well as butter and tallow and all of those other yummy animal fats so i just wanted to add that there man great job on what you've done so far (laughs) and dylan can kind of dial it in with some recommended ranges and and ultimately answer the question of how much fat is too much fat (laughs) yeah uh, so the ranges that we suggest is that 0.8 to 1.0 grams of fat per your ideal body weight. So this can shift obviously on if you're looking to build muscle, you're looking to lose fat because at the end of the day, calories do matter. Yeah. Right. But the quality of those calories are going to affect your, you know, long-term goals. You can overeat, right? Yeah. And the cool, what I believe to be is a really cool thing about nature is like, it will tell you that you've eaten too much. If you try to overconsume fat from butter or eat too much fatty steak, you will feel it mm. and you will not feel good. You will become nauseous. You will potentially have, you know, bowel movement issues. Um, so I would say uh, it's important just to like stick in that range. And there's no reason to overfeed yourself on the fat. Yeah. And what you find in a, in a steak, maybe adding like a tablespoon of butter on top of steak uh, ground beef or, you know, whatever I will do butter in, uh, some cooked apples, which is really delicious. I highly suggest that, but there's, there's no need to, you know, eat a stick of butter and then the fattiest ribeye and you know what I mean? So I would just really just focus on the whole food sources that we suggest. And you'll see that by consuming those, you'll fall into that, you know, 0.8 to 1.0 range. When you are looking to build, then you can actually use fat and carbohydrates as a way to build, right? right. To gain weight, to improve, to improve strength. But at the end of the end of the day, 
when you're consuming fat, healthy fats from nature, from animals, you are going to be filling your, your satiety cup. You're yeah. going to be feeling, filling up your, your micronutrients, especially the fat soluble vitamins, A, D, E, K2. And just by focusing on animal fats from whole food sources is going to provide your body with that abundance of it's, it's really information, right? Yeah. Abundant signaling to ensure that you're maintaining a healthy body weight. And like the concern of eating too much fat really disappears because yeah. it's, it's what is in nature. It's what is, it, it is what is presented to us. And it's ultimately what is going to make you feel good. Yeah. And I know that a part of that battle as well is convincing um, ourselves a lot of the time, like you said, coming from that low fat paradigm and era, as well as the people that love us and care about us. I mean, I imagine the reason your fiance is questioning this is she's probably bought into myths like too much fat is also what about the whole cholesterol piece and the mm -hmm. saturated fat piece. So it can get really sticky and it can get really nuanced. And we have lots of resources showing why a lot of that data is observational and it's not necessarily grounded again in ancestrally, you know, kind of aligned principles. And we don't believe that they are unhealthy foods at all. Actually, we believe that they're the building blocks of life and mm -hmm. that they make up your cells and they're very important for the backbone of your hormonal production and your testosterone and your health. So, you know, as per Dylan's recommendation, I don't know whether you've been tracking food or you'd be open to tracking it just to get a baseline mm -hmm. of where you're at, not necessarily to do this forever, but it's interesting to plug a few days into something like chronometer, see where that fat's falling, see how it kind of bounces in or out of those ranges and dial up or back as needed and see how you feel and just again like i said let time be your greatest ally here let this vision of you becoming healthy be the thing that convinces your fiance that all right this crazy guy is actually onto something and maybe i want to put a little bit more butter in the diet or i want to get more onto this train because <laughs> yeah. he's doing well so well and just remember yeah. this is this is something that i've really been paying attention to especially over the last few years getting into like the health and nutrition spaces things change yeah think of the cholesterol concept, right? People were like, don't eat cholesterol. It's going to kill you. And now we're learning that, oh, the cholesterol in your food doesn't even really change yeah, your right. blood cholesterol, right? So just remember how things take time, especially, you know, from the top, like the nutrition field, it's going to I believe take a really long time yeah. to actually come out with official recommendations and tell you like, Hey, this, this is actually okay. What, what, what we're doing right now, like eating this way, focusing on these high quality fats, the nutrient dense sources of fat, it's going to take time. And I believe we will get there. It, it'll just be a matter of time. Absolutely. <laughs> how, how's that sound, Garrett? Does that help you with your question a little bit? I, I, yes, absolutely. I, um, I appreciate that. Um, you guys have a lot of great information. Um, with the course of time with this animal based diet, I've adopted obviously eating fat and I find myself craving it now, you know, <laughs> drinking bone broth in the morning. So and, uh, you know, I, I, I love butter on a ribeye steak. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. Add a little honey and I'm, I'm in heaven, There you go. you know, and, um, you know, I, I, I've been working out, you know, I'm, uh, in my, in my forties now and I've been working out and I feel like these things are pretty much necessary for yeah. me to uh, have the energy to return back to the gym the next day. You know, I, I feel like my recovery is a lot faster than it was when I once upon a time was a vegetarian and um, you know, wow. just the consumption of fat protein and, you know, uh, light carbohydrates. I just feel like I'm, I'm killing it right now. That's <laughs> awesome. We hear that so many times, especially yeah. in our, 
emails, you know, our email team is responding to hundreds a day. And so many people like yourself who have a background of vegan or vegetarianism start to include some of these most nutrient rich foods on the planet. And then all of a sudden they feel better than they ever have. And yeah. I know that this is something that I've experienced too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, welcome back to this model and I'm, I'm so glad you're feeling well and really this changing of the tide of what, what we're talking about here and convincing people that you know all of this information needs to be updated is going to happen through people like you Garrett it's going to happen through citizen scientists you know being the change they wish to see in the world so we really appreciate you calling in appreciate man keep you. doing your thing your health is only going to get better yeah. and you can age in reverse stay radical my friend and uh, our last caller on the line last but not least is Griffin from Colorado Griffin. we got a college student with us who wants to I think adopt an animal-based diet on a budget so griffin tell us the story my friend how can we support you yeah hello thanks for having me on um yeah. i'm calling because you know, i'm a college student and i live uh you know active kind of all over the place lifestyle yeah and i'm on a low budget and so i'm just asking how people like me can uh eat animal-based but also kind of live that you know idealistic lifestyle as well yeah, yeah. love it man um firstly i just want to celebrate you for being a college person that oh is gosh. asking this question because <laughs> i amazing. think we all look back and say man i wish i'd have started this thing earlier you know um nobody regrets starting sooner so you're in a good spot my friend and the good news is you know it, it's possible to do an animal-based diet on a very budget-friendly kind of accommodation of course, this might mean a little bit of um, sacrificing certain areas of pristine quality, mm -hmm. right? We might not be able to get fully regenerative, grass-fed and finished, this, that, and the other. And, you know, we might not be able to get the pasture-raised eggs. But we also, again, we're not striving for perfection here. We know that those are the level-up behaviors that we talk about. They're not the foundational pillars. And again, the foundation is really what we want to build on. So I think about going in the grocery store and buying, you know, these huge of eggs that are, are, are incredibly cheap and again Costco. it's it's on your budget to see where you can stretch that to and always go to the kind of top end of that but also knowing that eggs are very cheap and dairy and yogurt is very high in protein and mm -hmm. it's very cheap and ground beef is very high and mm -hmm. it's very cheap and you can get these foods at a pretty budget friendly option and i think sometimes it can be a little scary for people because they are in this lifestyle they want to prioritize quality as much as possible but also we've got to meet you where you're at right and you've got to meet your budget where it's at and sometimes it might mean that you know what We'll get to that once college is done and we're out in the big bad world earning that money, then we can level up to all of this grass fed and organic, this, that, and the other. But right now your health is paramount and priority and you could do this in a very budget friendly way. So Dylan, talk to me about like, you, you get this question a lot, I imagine through the health so success much. team. What is some of the tangible strategies you use to keep this kind of accessible for people? Yeah, I think you, you covered like a large majority of it. I was just going to add a little bit of my personal experience because, you know, going through undergrad and then going to my master's program through PA school, I had to be low budget. And yeah. unfortunately the, you know, the beginning parts of those phases, I wasn't, I didn't know what nutrition did to my body. I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't think about it much, but I began to learn about nutrition in PA school as one of the few programs out there that actually had two full semesters of nutrition. And I really began diving into this field and this is why I'm here today. But just sticking to any type of ground beef, right? Don't get caught up with the grass fed, grass finish. I don't know if 
you could do like a Costco membership, but I had a right, Costco membership right. and I was a actually able to get grass fed ground beef for like six bucks a pound and yeah. a lot of it. And the eggs that you can get from Costco, there's a bunch of it, but I don't think you necessarily need a Costco membership in order to do this. You can still even go to Walmart and I would advise you to look at Dr. Paul Saladino's carnivore MD's video on how to eat animal based, I think for $10 a day. Yeah. And it's it's very eye-opening you can get your fruit you can get your organic honeys you can get all of these animal-based foods at a pretty reasonable price for anyone like you and like i experienced during um, that time of my life uh on a low budget yeah and i think another thing is coming as you're speaking is also like the unconventional cuts right mm -hmm. you know you're probably not going to be dining on a diet full of ribeyes and fillets but you yeah. can get oxtail 100%. and beef shanks oh and gosh. also buco cuts and you can mm -hmm. kind of go for these kind of um you know just less uh you know less popular cuts and find them really cheaply and shop the deals and if when you find the deals you know it might mean that you spend a hundred bucks up front but then you can put that in your freezer and you're going to have it for a long time yeah. so i think there's a lot of ways to yeah. work around this and of course we have to finish with the organ piece because 100%. that's the beautiful thing about organs yeah. is they are pretty cheap now i know sometimes especially being in college you might not have access um you know to great grocery stores to find these or even access to potentially being able to cook these in the way that you would like so we want to hook you up as well as a thank you for joining the show and we're going to make sure we get you with our success team to send you a bottle of beef yeah. organs as well to support you on this endeavor but i hope that was helpful griffin and, and it's a very important question because we do believe and 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 uh, know that this diet is accessible and can be accessible for everyone yeah and it's just about a little bit of planning a little bit of you know shopping those deals being able to go for the cheaper cuts yeah. and you can be radically healthy with a you know a radical budget yeah i think just one one thing to add there if this this is something that you can do if you have a group of friends that love this lifestyle that's looking to save money like doing a cow share mm. can be i mean set you up for the year yeah you know so very true i hope that helps griffin how you feeling yeah that was that was super helpful thank you guys so much for uh, having me answer my question that yeah man great starting point thanks sweet. for joining us thanks. enjoy those organs okay we'll yeah. see you soon awesome thank you. sweet all right, friends, that's it from the show today. Thank you for our call as we love hearing from you and supporting you on the journey. Dylan, thank you yeah. very much for joining us. Do you have any closing thoughts, either summarizing our topic today, fertility and infertility, any reoccurring themes that you saw there in the calls, anything that's on your heart and mind that you want to share? Yeah. Anything. The floor is yours. Yeah, I I just can't, uh, I can't say enough how important micronutrients are. Yeah. Right? And so many people are told that or maybe they don't even know. And this is, you know, why we're doing what we're doing is just to educate and help people understand the value of real food. Yeah. Real nutrients, real micronutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, there's peptides, growth factors, other sources of these proteins that are vital to life, vital to feeling good, to being healthy, to being fertile. Yeah. So focus, this is why we want everyone, like as much as possible, just to focus on the micronutrients. Organs are the at the end of the day, the best sources of these micronutrients and then continue progress, slow, steady consistency over time, you will begin to feel the benefits. And that is ultimately what we're after as well, to feel better, to yeah. look better, to perform better, you know, I love to it. have a baby. That's <laughs> so it. just really be intentional and ensure that you are hitting these micronutrient targets. Yeah. 
I think, you know, just, just to kind of put a bow on this one is, is what you're saying is that food is medicine and we've got to remember that, you know, we're not here to denigrate medicine and say they're getting it all wrong and these things yeah. aren't helpful. We're not here to throw shade. We're here to just say, let's widen the scope and let's really think about empowering ourselves again. If we're only you know, able to get pregnant, able to get healthy, able to find our health through these institutions, through the medical model, it's a very disempowering lens. It robs us of our own role in this. It robs us of our personal responsibility and sovereignty to actualize our health and take it back to add in the organs, to, to you know, build up our micronutrient stores again so that we can fully thrive and, and ultimately, you know, come back into this fertility conversation. But mm -hmm. even from our callers today, just hearing those stories, mm -hmm. I went against the grain. I started to do what I was told I shouldn't do. I'm eating all this red meat. I'm eating fats. I'm getting rid of the things that have been lauded on the food pyramid as this golden child of nutrition, these whole healthy whole grains, but I'm getting rid of all that. I feel better. I'm removing these things. Again, this idea of being the change you wish to see in the world and becoming these citizen scientists, because we're going to change the tide here. And that's what it's all about. Food is medicine. And no matter how crazy life gets, no matter what's going on, we always choose what we put in our mouth, right? Every single time. And we shouldn't abdicate that responsibility. And we don't need to be perfect either, but we can all do better. We all can, myself included, Dylan included, every one of us, and that's all we're trying to do. So remember, you are in charge of a lot more than you think you are. You are not confined to this sick curse system. Health is around the corner. It's possible. We're going to get there. We're going to get there together. So there we have it, friends. What an episode. Thanks again to you, Dylan, for coming on the show and providing all of that value. Tell the listeners where they can find everything that we're up to here. You know, the, the, the documentary we mentioned earlier in the podcast, the information, how they can stay up to date with all of this cutting edge information and where they can find the team. Yeah, absolutely. So you can... Find us at heartandsoil.co. That is our website. You can email us at radicalhealth at heartandsoil.co and you will be hooked up with one of our health guides. And if you're looking to view the animal-based fertility film, you can go to our YouTube channel and the video is called Nourish. There you have it. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Radical Health Radio. We want you to call into the show. So please head over to RadicalHealthRadio.com and there you will find instructions on how to be a part of our show and get your questions answered live. We hope this has been incredibly valuable to you. And if it has, please follow, like, subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast platform. It helps us spread this message of Radical Health. We'll see you every Wednesday with new episodes. Big love, Radical Health Seekers. See you soon.